You're listening to Easier, a podcast about making life and work easier. I'm Anthony Wagner, and this is episode number 24. Each Wednesday, we'll embark on a journey together to discover the best tips for living and working more simply. I believe that when things are easier, we have more time for what matters most. This week, we're going over my complete beginner's guide to starting a website. I have done computer repair and web design for years, and I am bringing you this guide as part of my series called New Year, New Business. Also, I've got a quick tip for make life easier on goal setting. Let's get started. Okay, for Make Life Easier this week, this is a technique I kind of just developed a couple of days ago, something that I think that you'd find really interesting, especially given that it's the beginning of the year and a lot of people are thinking about goal setting and this whole series has been about starting a new business. So a lot of folks do goal setting at the beginning of the year. I try to do it twice a year. Some folks do it quarterly. But what I did this year is I actually took the time to design a graphic for my desktop background to remind me every single day about what my goals and my values are. This is a an episode I actually pre-recorded with my friend Brendan Gallagher that's going to be coming up in a few weeks about how to live with purpose. And he talks about this phenomenal method for kind of narrowing down your values. So I did that. And in case you're interested, the values that I narrowed it down to that my core five as part of his exercise were simplicity, joy, growth, discovery, and balance. And those are there are a little bit more to each of them. I won't go into that in this episode, but those are my my values. And then I have goals for both Easier, this podcast, as well as my PC repair and technology business. And what I did was I created a desktop background image with those goals on them. So that way I see them every day. So if that's something that interests you, if you're into goal setting, this is a really awesome technique, I think, for keeping those goals front and center everywhere you go. And if you have a Windows computer, I'm not sure about Mac if it does this, but I know that Windows, now it will sync your desktop background to all the computers that you're logged in on. So if you have a desktop at work, if you've got a laptop, and if you've got a couple computers, I have three that I work on consistently, my laptop, my home desktop, and my work one, it syncs that background across all three so I can see it everywhere and I don't have to do anything. So that's this week's make life easier tip is to design a desktop background that has your goals on it. And just so you know, the background that I designed, I will put a link or I will put a a screenshot of it in the show notes, which I will give you the link to the show notes at the end of the episode. Okay, this week's main event is my complete beginner's guide to starting a website. As you heard from Latasha and you'll hear from my next guest, Amanda, who will be on next week, websites are absolutely critical. And if you're starting a side hustle at all, a website is something that you must set up for yourself. This is the place basically where all of your folks are going to go to find out information. Businesses that don't have websites, at least I know for me, I'll just speak from my own perspective. If you don't have a website, for the most part, I'm not engaging with you. Uh, If I look you up and I can't find any information, there's a good shot that I'm going to pass you over and I'm going to look for someone that has one that I can get information. So I'm going to go through a series of tips you need to think about as you're starting your side hustle and your website for your side hustle. 
So let's just launch right into them. It's kind of broken down in my notes into eight areas, but I'm just going to let it be a little more free-flowing and just talk about the, the top areas that I think are important. So number one, the number one most important thing, I think, to start before you do anything is to ensure that you've really got a name that you like. And I I know that my last guest, Latasha, said that the minutia of your branding and things aren't as important. You're actually going to get a little bit of contradictory advice from my next guest, Amanda, next week. But I do believe that at minimum, you might not need to be concerned about the details about what color scheme and what your exact logo and things are going to look like. But I do believe that you absolutely must consider your name first before you start anything else. The reason being, your name is going to influence all of the other components of your website. So this topic is about building that website for a beginner. And you need a few things in getting set up. The main one is your domain, which we'll talk about what that means. The domain or the URL, the actual web address that folks go to, you want it to be something that rings true to your business. You don't want some random domain because it makes it much harder for your audience or for your customers or clients to find you. So that's just one piece. Another piece is that I'm going to talk about in a second is getting a dedicated Google email address. And that is incredibly important. Again, I'll explain it in just a second. But the name influences all of that. And I find that the name actually really, for me, as I've started projects, that kind of takes me the longest. Once I figure that out, then it's a little bit smoother. Definitely not smooth, but smoother sailing after that. Also, I didn't mention, but your name will influence the social media handles that you pick. So there's a tool that I've used a few times in the past as I've started up projects. And the one that I've used the most is called Name Checker, N-A-M-E-C-H-E-C-K-R. And what you do is you drop in the name that you're looking to use for your social and for your actual domain, and it will tell you what's available. So I just dropped a sample one in, and it tells me that the domain in that case is not available, nor is Facebook, nor is Twitter. Tumblr is available, but I'm missing on Reddit, Slack, Instagram... All of those things are unavailable. So that's telling me, eh, I probably should pick a different name because if I want to be consistent across all the d- the platforms that I'm on, I need to have a name that's available. So that, again, it's namechecker, C-H-E-C-K-R.com. And I will, of course, put a link in the show notes for you. So definitely do that first. Decide on your name and check to see if it's available. The next thing I recommend before you do anything is to set up a dedicated Google email address. Now, what you'll learn as we begin talking about online hosting, a lot of the hosts come with email addresses. And you can set up email addresses with your whatever you want at your domain. So for me, it's podcast at easiercast.com. So it's that beginning part. It's the name at my domain, which is easiercast.com. You definitely want to do that. I give out that email address because it's business related, but all of my emails and all of my accounts are actually linked to my main Google account. And they all have different passwords, which is important. You should use a different password for every account, especially as a business. So if someone hacks you and gets into one area, they can't get into anything else. So that's important. But you want that main dedicated Google address so that you can funnel everything into one place and you don't have a zillion different accounts you're having to log into all the time. And I would encourage you to do that because it's separate from your domain. So if for some reason you decide to change your hosting or something happens, you don't lose all of your email that you've accrued as, uh, you know, on your actual domain's email. Everything, if you forward it up to your Google address, 
all of those things can go into one place. You check it in one place. It just makes everything a lot simpler. And you'll need to register for a couple of accounts as part of this, or at least one. You'll need to register for at least one account as part of this, and you'll want it to be linked to that main Google email address. So after you've selected your name, you should go to Google and register that email address. Something, you don't have to give it out. I wouldn't tell it to anybody. I don't give that Google address out for my podcast. It's different than all my other stuff, and that way it stays secure. You don't have to give it out. It can be whatever you want, but just create one place. And it should really be separate from your personal accounts. Create a new one. It, it, Google makes it really easy to switch between accounts, so I would definitely recommend creating a new one. So that's tip number two is to sign up for a dedicated Google email address. The number three is to decide on a CMS, and that stands for Content Management System. And that term sounds kind of big and scary, but it's really not. It's just the way that the content is managed on your website. Most folks are not hard-coding websites anymore. It's very rare that you've actually got folks sitting down and coding out an entire website. Typically, folks will use a content management system like WordPress, like Squarespace, like Wix, like Weebly. Any of those, those are content management systems that allow you to basically do front-end or not coding building of your website. It makes it kind of more drag and drop, a lot more user-friendly. So there, I just listed out four CMSs, and I definitely have a preference. I would 100% say that you should be using WordPress. And the reason for that is it is the most flexible. You own your content, which is not the case for other platforms. I'm pretty sure that if you're using Squarespace and maybe the other two that I mentioned, Wix or Weebly, you're not the owner of that content and they can go down at any point. With WordPress, you are the owner. WordPress does not interfere. You just download the files and you're off. And it's totally free. WordPress itself, you don't pay a penny for it, the the core files, and it's very easy to use. So if you're considering using Squarespace or Wix or Weebly, I would definitely caution against that. Start with WordPress. You have the most flexibility. It is an inexpensive option. It does have a little bit of a learning curve, but it's not major. It just as long as you understand the basic structure, this is something that you can learn. Anybody can learn to use WordPress and it it's very it's very user-friendly once you've got the very basics. So, as with anything, you can use YouTube University, aka Google how to use WordPress and a zillion videos will come up. I will drop a link to a YouTube video about getting started with WordPress in the show notes. And then I think eventually I'm going to put out an episode specifically about the basics of WordPress and I might even do a course on it. So if anyone is interested in something like that, let me know. Just shoot me an email at podcast at easiercast.com. If anyone does do that, a course would be something I likely would start charging for. But if anyone lets me know that that's something you'd be interested in in doing, I would share it with you for free. So if you're interested in a WordPress course, then please let me know. And like I said, you'll get it for free once it's done because I appreciate the early feedback. So WordPress is is easy enough for anyone to learn. I would 100% go with WordPress. Okay, so number four is to consider whether you want to build out your site locally. And what that means is you have the option, a lot of people don't know this, you don't actually have to pay for pretty much anything to get set up and to actually have a website started if you're willing to not have it online. If you just want to build something to test or to try things out or just to learn WordPress, you can build your site locally, meaning on your individual computer. It means that that website will not exist anywhere else 
except on your machine, but it is fully functional. You'll be able to do almost anything you'd be able to do with your local site as you'd be able to do with a live site, and it's awesome. It's a great way to test. And then later on, you might want to consider building a test environment, as it would be called, a test website that you could try things out in before you launch them on your live site. So that's something I do is I'll use a an offline site to test things or to demo. If you want to build a website for someone else, you can build it offline, test it, and then show it to whomever you're building it to and then put it up online. So there's a lot of flexibility there. There is a tool that I use. It's called Zamp, X-A-M-P-P. I'm pretty sure that's how it's pronounced. It's not Xamp or anything. I'm pretty sure it's Zamp. Um, it's X-A-M-P-P. And that is a completely free tool. And there are great resources for how to get that set up. And I'm going to link to one of those resources, the one that I've used a couple times, in the show notes. So that way you can download that get WordPress installed on it, and that the, the guides are very good. They're very detailed. They're fully screenshotted out. I'm confident that anyone could follow them. And you'll be able to get in and start playing with a WordPress site immediately, and you will pay for nothing. If you're not doing any kind of theming or anything like that, it's totally free to get that set up. So consider if you want to start locally, but I think most folks typically, they're going to want to start online. And this is where we're going to get into more of the meat of the discussion. And we're going to talk about your hosting and your domain. Those are the two tools that you need to have that will cost you some money unless you're running your own local server at your house. And if that's the case, then you are likely not going to need any of the conversation that's happened so far in this episode, but you will need hosting and a domain. And what do those look like? So number five is hosting. If you're going online, someone has to have the equipment set up to host, to keep your files for your website. The way the website works is that the files for your site, your website is just a set of files, just like any other files. They're just specific types. And they tell the browser to load your site, basically. They're just directions for your browser about what the site, where it is, what it looks like, all that stuff. So when you type in a URL or a domain, so you go to google.com, it goes to Google servers. That's where the files are hosted. It tells the browser, okay, load these things, these pictures, these, you know, this text, these kinds of things, load all that stuff. And that's how a website basically works in the very simple terms. And what you need is you need that server. Well, most folks do not have one. So you're paying someone to host your site for you. And the host that you choose is pretty important because it's going to influence the speed of your site and also the up or downtime of your site. And I learned that I've tried, I've used across different projects, I've used three different hosts. And I definitely, the one I've settled on now has been by far the best. We'll talk about why that is in just a second. But I think a lot of folks are going to be concerned about what the cost is. And I would say that across most hosts, it's going to be pretty similar, especially the bigger ones. You're going to find a pretty similar price point, and it's not that expensive. So the hosts that I've tried, I've tried GoDaddy. I've tried A2 Hosting, which is local to the Detroit area, but it's in Ann Arbor. But you don't, it, you can use it anywhere. And I've also tried Bluehost. And I've absolutely 100% settled on Bluehost. And the reason is, is that both with GoDaddy and with A2 hosting, I found that I experienced a lot more downtime. I experienced the most downtime with A2 hosting. What do I mean by downtime? That the website actually going down, going offline because something happened on the side of the host. So their server rebooted itself or they got attacked by a hacker or something like that and it interrupted the service so my website went offline and that is very very bad 
some hosts that have products that they put up will give a guaranteed uptime and they'll call it like four nines or five nines, which means 99.999% of the time your website will be online. And when you break that down, it, it works out as part of a contract to only so many hours of downtime a year that you can, that you'll guarantee. You're not really getting an uptime guarantee when you just go with a basic hosting package, but as you get with a bigger company, you get better uptime. Now, I did experience a few patches of downtime with GoDaddy with older projects, and I since I moved to Bluehost, which I'm pretty sure is the preferred WordPress host, so if you're going with WordPress, that's the preferred vendor, with Bluehost, I have not yet experienced one minute of downtime, and that's not to say that it won't happen. It won't happen today. It doesn't happen right now. My site might not be online, but I haven't experienced that at all. The next thing you want to consider is that your host is impacting your speed, and the more you pay, basically, the better in degrees your site will perform, and performance is really important because of search engine optimization. People don't want to wait for a website to load. They usually only wait a couple of seconds. I think it's about two or three. I should have looked that stat up before the episode, but it's very minimal, the amount of time people are willing to wait. Think about it. If you go to a website, and especially one that's trying to sell you something, and it doesn't load right away, most of the time you just click right off. And that's true both on mobile and on desktop. And so if your site doesn't perform well, you're going to get penalized by Google because Google's whole thing with search is... They want to serve the most relevant search result, the best performing search result to the right person at the right time. And if you're serving bad content, if your site's slow, if it doesn't look good on mobile, Google's going to say, nope, penalty, penalty, penalty. We're not going to show this site because what that means is that the user experience for Google's users is not good. If they serve crappy content, nobody's going to use their stuff. And I will say, and we'll go over this again in the next episode with Amanda on the things you should actually include on your site when you're going to set it up. Search engine optimization is huge because it's going to bring you what's called organic traffic, meaning traffic that you're not paying for, that people are just naturally searching for. And Google is king, absolutely king. You will not find any other search engine that performs like Google. And I, some people may like Bing. I don't know why. Some people may like Yahoo. I really don't know why. Google is the top dog and you are not going to find anyone else that matters as much. So what Google says is the law. And Google says that performance is important. So you need to consider performance as part of this. So it doesn't have to be crazy, especially when you're starting out. What I wanted to do, let's talk about the domain next. And then I'm going to actually open up my last bill from Blue Hosting or Bluehost, and I'll tell you exactly what I pay for my site. And I bet you're going to find it to be relatively inexpensive. It, it probably will surprise you how much I paid. And I'm going to give you the exact numbers. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's talk about the domain. The domain is the actual address that points to your website. Basically, what a domain is, it's it's actually a mask. Your website is just an IP address, right? You've heard of an IP address before, I'm sure, but it's a series of numbers separated by dots. You'll see them a lot of times, especially at your house. You'll see things like 192.168.something.something. Every website has an IP address, and you can pull the IP for any website and type that into your URL bar in your browser, like in Chrome or Firefox, or if you're using Internet Explorer or Safari, stop use Chrome or Firefox, and we'll talk about, about that more in the next episode. I keep previewing that, but they're very related. But you could type that IP in, and it will go right to the website. The domain name 
is really more about making a website more user-friendly. So you go to google.com, not a series of numbers that you got to remember. It's like a phone number. It'd be like opening up your phone and typing in your friend's first and last name and it calling them instead of dialing the phone number. It's the same kind of thing. Actually, that would not be a bad idea, but then we'd have fights over those names as well. People are struggling as more people are getting online to find the domain names that mean something to them. But some tips that you want to do. First of all, if you've already considered your name, like I talked about, this is where this is going to come into play. Hopefully your domain is available or one that's very close to what you're hoping for is available. You want to keep it as simple and as short as possible. The fewer characters, the better, because some people will actually go to their browser in the bar at the top and type in that actual domain name. So for me, it would be easiercast.com. That's an easy domain. It's easy to remember because it's related to a podcast and it's short. And I think that's overall a pretty good domain name. But if I said easier cast, making life and work easier.com, nobody's going to want to use that. And that is not an example of a good domain. Another thing you want to make it memorable, something that's related to your brand. I wouldn't just want to say, this is my podcast, Anthony at, you know, or .com. That would not be a good, well, maybe it would, because it's kind of ridiculous, but in general, that's a bad example or an example of a bad domain. For me, I typically stick to the .com and .org extensions, although there are a ton that are opening up, and as the the uh, the web becomes more crowded, I think that we're going to, just a prediction of my own, we're going to start seeing more different types of extensions being used. There are a lot that have become available. I know that there are .tech, .info, .net. There are a bunch of others. .net is pretty common, but I've seen .tech, .sale. I've seen a lot of them become available, and I think people will start to become more used to those types of domains, and they'll they'll be pretty decent for, for traffic. But right now, I still think that .com and .org are the primary ones. .com is actually, I believe, short for .commerce when the web was first getting set up, and .org was for for dot organization and that's what they were meant for but those are the common ones people are used to typing in dot com is still the big one obviously every website that you're familiar with i'm sure for the most part is going to be a dot com address so try for the dot com dot org is good you may want you may consider dot net or if you're looking to be a little bit more of a maverick go for one of the other funky extensions that are out there so as i said let's talk about cost a lot of times these hosts they have different packages and they will include different things. I know that with Bluehost, my hosting, the actual package that I purchased to put my site online to actually pay someone for some server space, my hosting came with a free domain. And that was very nice. A lot of hosts do that. They will include the domain for free. You can go out and you can just buy a domain. Some people used to do that. They would kind of squat on it. So somebody at the beginning of the web, I'm pretty sure bought football.com and they made a lot of money because eventually somebody really wanted it and sold it to that person. I know that was a thing. I'm sure it still is. Um, but people will squat on domains for that. You can buy just the domain by itself and they are very inexpensive. You'll see anywhere from five to $15 a month for domains. The package that I bought for my hosting is what Bluehost calls its prime package. It's one of its better packages. And I paid a little more because I wanted some better features. I wanted some better performance. And the difference here is that 
like if you go with their basic package, it's very low, but you're getting a limited amount of storage on the site. And that's, that's kind of, I don't want to worry about how much stuff I put on my site. I wanted to be able to, to have whatever I need. And the performance is actually pretty similar across their packages. So I did the prime package and it did include an SSL certificate, which we're going to talk about in a minute. That's important. And also it included my domain. I think for the first year, I'm not sure after that, but what I paid for my hosting and my domain, this is what I paid to get my site online. On June 21st, 2018, I paid $81 for the hosting. That's 12 months. I bought it for a year at the price of $675 a month. It was 81 bucks. And then it charged me $11.99 for 12 months registration of my domain. And then it gave me that back for free because it was included as part of my package. So grand total on my package for my hosting and my domain was $81 for a year of hosting. I think that's actually quite excellent. 81 bucks is very little in terms of how much you are going to invest in your business. And it is a huge worthwhile investment. You're going to definitely see more returns than $81 just in terms of having a place to put all of your information. So it is 100% worth it to set up a website online, I think. I think that you can try to play around locally, but I think that you should just get started online because having to transition your site from local to online can be a bit of a, a pain in the butt. It's definitely possible. People do it all the time, but it's, I think, just start with online. And I, again, recommend starting with Bluehost for sure. So that's the big conversation on the hosting in the domain. And I think that that's the biggest hurdle is once people understand that, it makes getting started a lot easier. The next thing you're going to do once you have that set up is it's just going to be an empty folder, basically. So you'll go and, and you'll see those pages that somebody will have set up the domain, but it will say there's nothing here yet. And it's because it's pointing to an empty folder on the server. And what you'll need to then do is if you're going with WordPress, which I'm going to assume at this point that you are, most hosts have a pretty simple one-click install button to install WordPress. And I actually find that Bluehost does a phenomenal job of this because it makes it so simple. You go to the part in the in the back end, which is often called a cPanel, a control panel, a cPanel, and there's a lot of options with a lot of hosts. WordPress, they give you all the options, but it's they put the things that most people use right up front and center that makes it a lot easier to see. And so installing WordPress is very easy. If for some reason you your host doesn't provide that, and you can always Google how to install WordPress on blank and insert your host there. So how to install WordPress on GoDaddy or how to install WordPress on Bluehost. And you'll find a guide from that host. I'm pretty sure I'm, I, I would be very surprised if any host didn't have a specific WordPress guide. But if for some reason you have trouble, you can actually download the files from WordPress itself and follow their steps. And I can put a link to a resource for that in the show notes for how to install WordPress. Once you have WordPress installed, that's pretty much it. Your website is online and that's the scope of this episode. We'll talk later next week specifically about what things to include. And I think I'm pretty sure I'm going to do a... WordPress episode on how to get started with WordPress in the near future. But once you've completed those steps, you've gone over, you've picked your name, you registered your dedicated Google email address, you've decided you're going to use WordPress, use WordPress, you've picked your host, I would suggest Bluehost, you've selected your domain, and then you've installed WordPress, your website is online and you're ready to go start creating content. Now there's a lot more that's available for sure, but 
for all intents and purposes, you now have a website that's ready to go. So the last thing I will say is you're going to want to consider an SSL certificate. SSL stands for Secure Sockets Layer. And then the next part of it is certificate. And that sounds like a big fancy thing, and it really is, but basically what it is, I'm just going to read from a website called globalsign.com that gives a definition of an SSL cert, and it says that they are small data files that digitally bind a cryptographic key to an organization's details. When installed on a web server, it activates the padlock and the HTTPS protocol and allows secure connections from a web server to a browser. Typically, SSL is used to secure credit card transactions, data transfer, and logins, and more recently is becoming the norm when securing browsing of social media sites. You know, layman version of that definition is it's the thing that tells people that your site is secure. It gives security to if you're processing credit card transactions. So if you actually are going into e-commerce as part of your side hustle or as part of your business at all, I believe most e-commerce tools like WooCommerce will require, and Stripe, I know if you're using Stripe to take credit card payments, they will require you to have an SSL cert. Maybe not WooCommerce. You probably can install that. But if you want to take payments, if you want to process payments, you will need a cert like this. The benefit of Bluehost with, and I think a lot of hosts, but my hosting specifically comes with a free cert. So that's nice because they can get pretty pricey. So that $81 also included my SSL cert. You're going to want to take this into consideration. If you look at your browser, if you open Chrome or Firefox or you stop using Internet Explorer, Edge or Safari and then move to Chrome or Firefox, I'm real passionate about that. If you look at one of those and you look at the URL bar, that's the bar at the top of the page where you type the website links in, you'll see the name and typically you'll see a padlock to the very left of that bar and it'll either be open or closed. And if you click it, it will tell you whether your connection is secure or not. And you can try this using the easier domain. You can go to easiercast.com and you'll see that if you click the link, it expands and it will say HTTPS colon slash slash. That S stands for secure and it tells you that your site, that the site that you're on has an SSL cert. You can also see that little closed padlock there and when you click it, it says connection is secure. It just reassures folks that they're on a secure website and it is important for all websites, I think at this point to have it, but specifically if you're doing e-commerce, I'm pretty sure that you're not going to find a payment processing tool that you can have on your website that will allow you to have a website without an SSL cert installed. So you need to keep that in mind. This is again why I recommend Bluehost because all this stuff is included. I got everything for $81 and then all I had to do to get it set up I'm sure I could figure it out. I just have never taken the time because it's always been so easy getting the SSL cert set up and you have to sometimes redirect your pages, meaning whenever someone goes to the HTTP version, the unsecure version, the browser automatically is told, oh, actually instead go to the HTTPS version. I've always just been able to contact the host and usually with Bluehost, I know for sure, but with others, you can just chat and say, hey, can you redirect my site and install my HTTPS cert and they'll usually go, okay. And five minutes later, they'll come back and say, okay, it's done. And it will take a few minutes to to come up and to, to actually take effect and you're done. It's very easy. So that's the way I would recommend you go about it. But I would definitely get that set up from the outset. It's one less thing you have to worry and it imparts trust in a brand you're trying to build. And especially if you're just starting, trust is incredibly important. You, you need to ingrain that, that you're taking security into serious consideration for your users who are looking for a reason to trust you. So 
Let me just do a quick recap of those steps again. I know I did it a second ago, but just going through them one more time just to highlight the things that you should do in considering getting started with a website. Number one is pick your name and run it through Name Checker or another similar tool to see if it's available across your platforms, but pick that name. Number two, sign up with a dedicated Google email address that uses that name. Number three, decide you're going to use WordPress. Number four, choose whether you're going to start local or online. I would recommend for most folks to start online. Number five is select a host and establish an account with that host using that same name. Again, I recommend Bluehost. Number six is to register your hosting and your domain. And again, using that name from step number one. Number seven is to install WordPress. And then number eight is to deal with getting that SSL cert installed. If you do those things, even just up to number seven, you will have a website online ready for you to start creating content. So I I really hope that this is has been a concise enough guide. I would love to answer basic questions and things. If you have them, you're welcome to drop them in the comments or you can shoot me an email or catch me on Instagram. I'm at a Michael Wagner and that's my personal Instagram and you can shoot me a message or a comment on something and I can answer some basic stuff. If it gets too detailed, we might have to talk about what that's going to look like, but I'd be happy to answer almost any question that you have. And that's it for episode number 24 of Easier. Remember to get that website set up for your side hustle. It's incredibly important and it really creates that space for you to put all of your business stuff. Also, don't forget to create a desktop background that has your goals and your values on it. And I will link to that in the show notes, which I'm about to announce in just a second. Do you have any tips, tricks, or hacks for making life easier? Or in this case, do you have any questions about making life easier? If so, feel free to email me at podcast at easiercast.com or leave a comment in the show notes. And that link is easiercast.com slash 24. Every episode is its number in that part. So it's easiercast.com slash episode number. In this case, that's 24. If I love your idea or you're willing to share your question and my answer, I will feature that stuff in a future episode. Also, as I said, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram. You can find me at A. Michael Wagner at A-M-I-C-H-A-E-L-W-A-G-N-E-R. Thank you, as always, so much for listening. And until next week, here's to an easier life. Bye for now.